Well, it's good to see all of you today, and I have a story to share, but I'll start with a question. Would you rather live in Sacramento or be forced to wear a toga forever? Well, I'm slightly embarrassed to say this, that was a typical would you rather question among the Silicon Valley teenagers that I hung out with in high school. We went with the toga every time, which should give you a general sense about what I used to think of this place. Um, but ironically, a couple years after college, I ended up moving here to go back to school. But at the time, I didn't mind the move because I had high hopes in the potential of my friend relationship with a guy who also happened to have just moved to Sacramento. I thought the coincidence was a divine sign. <laughs> okay, let's talk semantics. Friend relationship, by my definition, is a non-committal co-ed companionship involving long hours of emotionally intimate one-on-one -on -one time, many mixed signals, and frequent FaceTiming. <laughs> Soon after I moved here, it was no longer a healthy dynamic, but I refused to let go because I had started operating under this irrational and weird assumption that if one guy felt so half-hearted about me, that was probably indicative of the rest of the entire male population. So it was better to have someone in my life rather than no one. I felt stuck. So I called one of my friends who I could always count on to tell me the truth for advice. She said, you know, God has plans for you in Sacramento, whether or not they involve this guy. Ask Jesus for wisdom. He loves to give it. And then she asked what I was reading in my Bible. I told her, oh, I don't think I really have a good enough academic background to read the Bible on my own. First of all, it's a bad excuse. I went to Westmont where we took like five classes on doctrine and history of the world, Christianity throughout all of time. But even if I didn't go to Westmont, it was a poor excuse, and I'm so thankful that she called me out on it. Krissa, the gospel is simple. It's meant for children to understand. You will have a lifetime to <laughs> analyze it in depth, but for now, just read it. And I did. For the next six weeks, as I listened through it, I walked around everywhere with my jaw dropped, just thinking, wow, it says that? Like, this is amazing news. This is like the food my soul has always been starving for. The word lit a fire in my soul, and for the first time in my life, I received crystal clear wisdom from the Holy Spirit. What I heard was, you are free. You are not a placeholder. You can leave. So there were a couple steps in between then and the next place, but I knocked on his door and true to form, used a Lord of the Rings breakup analogy and said, well, I've enjoyed our time together, but dude, we've been stuck in the shire of indecisiveness for more than a year, so um, if you're still interested in other hobbits and stuff, that's fine, but I'm taking the fellowship. Yeah. I, I did not account for laughter in the time limit, so if you guys keep it down. All right. <laughs> Um, anyway, I'll admit this was scary, but sometimes you just gotta pull a Frodo Baggins and say, I will take the journey, although I do not know the way. That's code for parting ways for those of you who don't speak in fictional characters. Um, part of me assumed that because the decision was Holy Spirit-led, the process would be painless and easy. 
And it was for three weeks. But after that, I cracked, like really cracked. Suddenly, everything that I had tried to protect myself from feeling for about the previous 20 years just came rushing to the surface. I had no confidence, I had no energy, and I had no friends, at least here. Um, it was a dark place, and my life felt so empty. But I wasn't totally helpless. I thought I could make things better by simply seeking Jesus more. So I read books, and I'd plow through entire sermon series on a weekend, like it was some type of holy Netflix binge. And it was like I believed that if I just gained enough information about Jesus, then I would truly be full of joy and the Holy Spirit. But I wasn't. Actually, at this point, I was like some kind of Christian marshmallow s'more that was either puffed up, burnt out, or both. So even though every morning I would listen to songs like In Christ Alone and All I, Needed you, All I Need Is You, I was definitely missing a key something in my faith. And then I came across 1 John 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And I realized that I had been pretending to myself and to God. So it was time to come before him as I was. So I pulled out my journal one year ago and wrote this prayer. Dear God, I have not felt gratitude, trust, or hope for a couple months. Lord, help my unbelief and give me the strength and faith to pray something bold. I need a new start. I pray for a place to live that's closer to school and the American River Trail, where the rent is under 500 a month. But most importantly, lead me to a church community that's uplifting, fun, and grounded in truth. One that will make Sacramento just make sense. Jesus, you are my dad. I know my dad on earth would love to give me these gifts, so why not my dad in heaven? I ask for these things in Jesus' name, amen. Less than a week later, my first Craigslist contact offered me a place with every single specific, and God even threw in a bonus pool. <laughs> Another month after that, I found Epic Life on Google and decided to give it a shot. But I remember my first day, I stood in the back with my arms crossed, thinking, I really can't wait to get home and finish my Bonhoeffer book, Life Together, about community. Uh, <laughs> and then it hit me that maybe God could offer this request to me if I did something about it. So making friends started with small steps by introducing myself to one person and then giving some hugs and accepting a pool party invitation and so on. But it came much more out of an act of will and practice than anything else. And it turned out there was nothing to be afraid of and you guys were super welcoming. Yet even with all these new people I met, I still had this underlying sense of loneliness. And I'm not talking about just being by yourself, but rather a feeling of being misunderstood or isolated, even in a group of people. And I recently learned that for me, this came from two things. First was the belief that I needed to arrive to church well put together and happy always. This lasted until the time I had a bad day and I tried to leave worship so I could go outside and cry alone. And about five people approached me asking if I wanted to talk or pray. So I just came back inside. <laughs> 
the second was rooted in a general sense of unworthiness of belonging. I just didn't think I was ever good enough. Um, I even pulled Eric Knopf aside in January and said, hey, it's really nice you guys invited me to be on leadership, but I don't know, I really measure up. I mean, I hear from God, but not at the same lightning speed as everyone else. And um, I saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers in a concert once, and they're not exactly a Christian band. So, um, and he just looked at me like, uh, I think you're doing just fine. But it was moments like these when I would share aloud and have other people refute the lies that were coming from my mouth that I was able to start moving on from the crippling perfectionism. And another heart change came about a month ago. I posted a blog entry on Facebook and Eric Waterbury shared the link with the caption, our very own Chris Trudell has written something, etc." When I read that, I just stared into the screen at the word hour. And I haven't even been coming here that long, and I've had to miss quite a few because of school, but I belong to an hour. And then last week, I had this moment when I was looking around during worship, and I couldn't help but smile and think, these are my people. This is my city. And honestly, most of you, I know I've only scratched the surface of the tip of the iceberg of your hearts, and there's so much more experience and life to be shared. But this excites me because now I understand that the Christian life without fellowship is a tiny fraction of what it can be within. And spiritual growth does not happen in a vacuum. Trust me, I've tried. See, if I blow off my next paycheck at the Nike factory score, store, the Christian finance expert Dave Ramsey is not going to shoot me a text to keep me accountable for my financial stewardship. But Ashley Malott probably would. Um, <laughs> And if I have 14 burning questions about the latest teaching, C.S. Lewis can't answer my wordy, curious emails, but Eric Knopf does. So don't get me wrong, I don't think we should ever stop learning or asking questions, but sometimes if I overanalyze to the point of anxiety, I back up and remind myself of three things. Number one, by the cross, our sins are forgiven. But God isn't just saying nonchalantly, eh, no worries. What I imagine is a Taylor Swift concert at Levi Stadium where 50,000 teenage girls and me erupt into song and dance singing, shake it off. Number two, he is for us and not against us. I used to think of God with a big punishing stick, but now I picture his love a lot more like the time the San Francisco Giants won the pennant in 2014 after Travis Ishikawa hit one deep and AT&T Park was on fire with excited fans and orange rally towels. I imagine that noise and electric energy times a billion as God for us. But you know who else went crazy was the home team. Which brings me to point number three. I love you guys.